Hey, it's Shastin Rains, and welcome to Crosswalk Church. You're listening to Today's Presence, a podcast in which Pastor Tim hosts conversations about culture, daily life, and what the scriptures have to say. We desire to bring you encouragement and hope during this time. So once you finish this podcast, make sure to visit crosswalkvillage.com to find more information about our church and additional resources from our pastoral team. Hey, everybody. Um, This is Sam and Tim. Tim and Sam coming at you at the Today's Presence podcast. We're always excited to be here. Um, It was a good 15 seconds from when we ended that last podcast. So, uh, so we're starting, it's a whole new thing though. It's a whole new thing. Um, I, Sam has, Sam has committed to only speaking Spanish in this podcast. Buenos dias, everybody. Nope. nope. <laughs> See, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. In the last episode, Tim accused me of not speaking the language. So from now on, I'm going to speak only Spanish for the rest of this time together. So this is going to be awesome. I asked if we were if Tim, we were ever going to get better at this. I don't think we are. If you're going to speak Spanish the whole time, qué qué café estás tomando hoy? Um, I'm still drinking the same one that I was drinking. <laughs> we can't ask that question unless we're going to. You're right. Actually, you're right. actually, I do have some. Uh, I do have some. Um, I think it's some Aggies Guatemala that I will probably break open a little bit later today. Uh, and tomorrow I will get my dead drop coffee nice ethiopian it's gonna be maybe maybe follower will sponsor this brian if you're listening it'll listen we're cheap a bag a week that's all i need wow i was one pound a A one pound does does your whole family drink coffee or is it just you okay my daughter has started drinking coffee and it's been kind of cool i'm showing her how to do it do the process correctly what process are you doing this morning um, I'm actually probably going to do a uh, Haro V60 pour over. Oh, um, yeah, I'll probably do that. Okay. I did. The, I did the air press this morning early. I got up at three, uh, but I did the air press this morning because it was because it's quieter. It takes less time. Yeah, I don't know if it's quieter, but it takes less time. It's faster for sure. Yeah, air press is is a yeah. quick cup of coffee. Listen, so there, since we're doing this already, um, we are. Let's. Do you want to do announcements? Yeah. Listener mail. Yeah, but this will. Uh, this one's going to be after. This one's going to be after Easter. Yep. So we're just we're just continuing on, right? We're learning how to do this. So make sure you go to crosswalkvillage.com/lovewellhome, um, or just go to our our main page and click on the Lovewell Home, and that's where all the resources are. That's where this podcast is linked to this podcast and and everything else that's going on. We got kids programming. We've got all of that in this living in this new reality. This this week that this is gonna that this is gonna air, I believe, um, it's going to be a tough week. There's a lot of estimations that it, it might be the hardest week that the United States has, and certainly that California has. Yeah, we're so we're headed tough. to our big surge, yeah. um, for sure. And so, but um, Sam, speak to that real quick because you work in healthcare now, and it is my understanding, and this has been like the this has been like um, some conspiracy theory around like the hospitals are empty. This is you know, this is true. It's some sort of conspiracy. Your ho- your census is down, right? Your hospital there's not as many people in the hospital right now. Right. Volumes are, are definitely down, especially this week that we're talking, you and I. Um, and it's all in preparation for what's expected to be a, a high demand for, for care. Um, you know, and the reason why things are, the volume is down is because you, we've canceled all elective procedures of all kinds. 
Um, and I think people are figuring out that some, some issues that they face, they can actually write them out at home instead of having to overburden emergency departments. And What? Um, yeah. What? <laughs> That's how you get care. Don't you just go to the emergency department and they let you in and then... Friends, the sarcasm in your tone <laughs> reveals, don't do that, people. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, this is why volumes are down. And um, we expect that to be the case in some places that may not see some big surges in, right. in, uh, in COVID. But, but it's better to be volume down than not ready for a surge that happens in your community. Right. Um, but we've got all, this is a problem everywhere. You know, we've got, I'm thinking of places where, yeah, you know, we have a friend who just um, went to New York. Yeah. Can we say names on the podcast? I don't know. But let's just keep it as a friend. Okay. A friend who volunteered to go to New York to um, help relieve healthcare workers in ICUs who don't have, there's not enough nursing right. uh, staff. Nursings. And so, nursings uh, there's not enough nursings. I speak Spanish. You don't even speak English. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm blown away by how people are responding. Yeah. It blows me away. Tim, do you have any stories of th things you've seen happening that have blown you away, how people have come together? Um, to care for this because I have one. Oh, I have one more. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the stuff that I've seen is just just people being incredibly kind, sharing things when they need to share. You know, if you go on like the buy nothing groups on Facebook, you can people are sharing stuff. We got five puzzles. I mean, that's not you may not think that's hugely compassionate, but it keeps my wife sane. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's good. But what have you heard? No, I saw it. So you know, in our county. Uh, Riverside County, we are in a uh, mandatory universal masking order. Right. So anytime you leave your home or you go anywhere, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. And some places are actually threatening a fine if you're not wearing a mask. So right. um, on Sunday, I went to Trader Joe's to um, get food for the week, you know, and waiting outside of Trader Joe's because they're staggering your line outside Trader Joe's right. or let, they're having you wait six feet apart you know they're doing all that there was a sign that said if you don't if you're not wearing a mask you can't come into the store so a lady behind me wasn't wearing one and the 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 kind-hearted trader joe's person said to them if you don't have a mask you cannot go into the store this woman she 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 began to cry because she has she was like i don't have a mask i don't even know how to get one i just came all the way here you're telling me i'm not going to be able to go in and so Everyone around her, I don't have a mask to offer her because I was not wearing a mask, full disclosure. I had a bandana around my face. And were you were you a bandito? <laughs> those those things are my is that is this, that was inappropriate. Um again, <laughs> a, a great attempt at my language. Can't do it. Terrible. Anyway, so so one person reached into her purse and handed her um, a, a mask, which is you know which is an nice. incredible act of kindness in yeah. this because there are no masks. And the lady even said, "How where where did you get this mask?" This woman said, and the other one said, "I had one extra, and I've been saving it for a moment like this." And then now we're all weeping, and that's so cool. it, it was just an amazing. I, I think that's the, I think those are the little moments that are. I think our, our, 
our humanity is shining through this yeah. this crisis. No, and that's good to see, right? Because I think we've been watching like apocalyptic movies for too long where everybody, you know, wraps a baseball bat in, in barbed wire and you know, has at it. And so it's nice to see people taking care of one another. It's nice to see that, that compassionate heart of humanity stepping, stepping up. So yeah. It's yeah. about time. I mean, and I think, I think that's always the case, right? There are always good people doing wonderful things. Um, topic. Um, yeah. Here's one topic before we get to the actual topic we're going to cover. Um, the, the way this thing has exposed our interconnections, interconnectedness, or at least the need to be interconnected uh, are really blowing me away. You know, the, the fact that this virus doesn't care right. who you are, what country you live in, what social class you are, what political affiliation you have, what religious affiliation, what mm-hmm. anything. It is, a, it is a human, it has exposed it, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's a human crisis. I mean, this is, I don't know when this is going to air, but the fact that the prime minister of England is in ICU. Yeah, man. Uh, and, you know, political elites have, have been diagnosed and, and uh, you know, it doesn't matter you, who you are. Um, I, I think this exposes a, a great, it reveals yeah. a great and amazing thing about a truth about humanity. What Maybe is that truth? There. What is that truth? <laughs> what is i'm we are interested. no what is that truth really so we go theological yeah or biblical i'll ask you the question what no, is that truth? i'm asking you the question what is that truth? I, 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 listen i think i think romans um uh, for all when paul uses for all mm-hmm. and he talks about sin he talks about condition he talks for all are in the same boat there is no no jew roman greek Right. woman male female uh paul constantly reminds us of that it says you are you are one people right uh and now covid's um, like the disease version of the department of motor vehicles like you're all the same nobody gets to jump line yeah it, yes yes hey so okay so this let's can we jump into this um this apocalypse the revealing yeah thing that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, you, you shared a, should we talk about legendary slackers first? Yeah, let's talk. Yeah. And then, and then we can get to why this is. Cause then we can just call them the slackers. Like if we can, like if we refer to them. Yeah, go. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've had a group text going on for quite a few years with the guys from the one project. That's Jay de Oliveira, Alex Bryan, Patty McCoy, um, Rod Long now from Australia, Sam and myself. And at some point, somebody named it the legendary slackers. Um, and it's an ongoing conversation that I think we've had it literally. I think we've had it going on for 10 years now. Yeah, and, at least. Yeah. And so we share things that inspire us. We share things that worry us. We share, um, you know, we're brothers, we're brothers in, in the gospel ministry. We're brothers in, um, just friendship and our families and relationships. And so this has become, um, that's become kind of a lifeline for all of us. So when somebody reads something or hears something, they post it and we, we all discuss. Or someone's going through something. Yeah. A lot and of care a, that happens. You know, people have asked me, is this really like a, like a, daily thing and sometimes i have to say it's like sometimes an hourly 
Sometimes thing. it's a minute by minute thing. Like it can get crazy. Rod, I think woke up yesterday or a couple of days ago. And he's like, I woke up to 187 messages. <laughs> most of which are not <laughs> worth reading, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, no, most of them are not. Um, well, and it is an incredible source of support. And I've actually wondered sometimes during the last three weeks of this lock-in um, about how blessed I am. I've thought about how blessed I am. We are to have this kind of support yeah. around us and, and this, this thing. And, and I feel um, sad for people who don't, Yeah, who don't have that Absolutely. kind of community, virtual community they can, they can depend on. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, back to the, so what happened the other day is that you shared a, something you had read that was pretty thought provoking. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of David Dark. He um, I first came across his writing with Everyday Apocalypse um, and the Gospel. What was it? The Gospel According to America? No, I don't think it's that. But um, anyway, he's a he's a philosopher. He's a theologian. He's an author and a professor. I think he's just brilliant and um, Christian, a, a deep Christian with deep Christian values. And one of my favorite books that he's ever written was um, Life's Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious or The Sacredness of Questioning Everything. Both of those books, I think, are are phenomenal. And um, he wrote a piece about apocalypse and what that word really means, which is a revealing, right? There's there's an unmasking, if you will. And he he asked kind of the question, he posed the question in the article, and it's been a few days since I read it. But um, he posed the question, like, what is this going to be revealing? And then he went on to talk about the things that he thinks he thought that this would be revealing. So Sam, what do you think this is revealing? Oh man, it's, it's wow. Um, it's revealing as any crisis does what is truly broken mm-hmm. in society. Yeah. What's truly broken, broken in socioeconomic systems, what's broken in family systems. Um, I mean, it exposes disparities like like that were there. We just didn't. We were paying attention, right? I mean, as uh, today, I'm I'm reading headlines about um, the rates of uh, fatalities amongst specific kinds of uh, specific peoples, people mm-hmm. groups in the U.S., and how those are way higher than in others. And and you got to start asking yourself why. Uh, that's what's being revealed right now. Those kinds of things. It reveals the um, one thing I've been interested in is that, and all of these could be subheadings, by the way, that we could talk about yeah. for hours. Yeah. Um, the kind of leadership that it reveals in in people, um, the politics of crises. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's an interesting thing that we're seeing um, happen around us. It reveals the um, our ability to as we said earlier uh, our humanity you know the fact that we're interconnected but our our willingness to or reticence to work together to solve the biggest problems right. some people have retreated and closed borders and and I'm that's appropriate probably um right. to you know to uh, prevent the spread of disease but but on the other hand how much do we collaborate so that we can all solve a worldwide problem that is not respecting boundaries and respecting um, persons. Um, I think it's revealing that. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think it's revealing, Tim? Um, I think on the good side, it's revealing, uh, you know, the beauty of human nature, our mm-hmm. ability to to look, and maybe this is 
you know, maybe it's here all the time, but you know, the ability to look at a neighbor and go, Oh, wow. Like I need you, you need me. Like the, like, I think what you mentioned before the interconnectedness of the way that we live and how important that is. Um, on the bad side, I think it, it, um, it reveals, it reveals that we live in a pretty distrusting hmm. um, environment. I was on, I don't know, I, you know, on a downward spiral on YouTube and Instagram and the whole thing. And I, you know, I found somebody, I found this pastor who was like, do not take a vaccine. God has told me to tell you, you, you know, they will give you the virus because it's a population control thing. And I mean, it was, it was, it was fascinating to watch, but, um, but, and I also thought, you know, he's doing that in the midst of also asking for money. So there was a profiteering nature of it and usury mm. and it was, it was disgusting, you know, that mm. somebody, somebody would do that. Um, now whether he feels convicted about it or not, I don't know, but he was definitely being opportunistic in the midst of it. So I think I, you know, we, I think we've got to balance the good and the bad, but I do think, I do think that there's a unity in humanity that, that you're right, that this virus is reminding us of exposing again, revealing, which has always been the case, right? We, we have a tendency to think, you know, that we're not like everybody else. Hmm. Yeah. Right? But I think yeah. we are. I, and I think once we recognize that I, I've always said, right, there's no hierarchy in, in the gospel. There's Jesus mm-hmm. and there's us. That's it. I think that's what Paul was doing. You mentioned Romans before, but you know, I think it's what he was doing in Galatians, what he was doing in Ephesians. He's, he's saying, you know, we're all in this together. Let's pull together. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. It doesn't matter the gender that you have. It doesn't matter the job that you have. We all have to work together to see the gospel flourish in the world because love is love has become the highest principle. And um, in times of crisis, I still think love wins. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and you know, um, so what? So, how do you think? What do you think it has exposed or revealed about church? About church, how we've organized structure. I, I think there's two uh, different I, questions. I want there. you to comment also on on financial systems, how the church was set up for that. Um, yeah. All that. I, yeah, can you- so I think I think I, a few things. I think you know the basic human need for community and for worship. I think that that has has reminded us how important that is in people's lives. Like that's a thing, man. To get together mm. in a room full of people and praise our God is important to people. That will never be supplanted by any sort of technology. Mm. At the end of the day, the ability to sing a song together for some reason that transcends so much. Right? That's such a big deal. Um, even if you're not a singer, being in the presence of that for some reason is comforting. So I think that's huge. I think just community being able to hold one another, hug one another and, and remind us of the human touch. There are people who probably the only time they really get recognized is at church when they walk into a lobby, right? And somebody Mm -hmm. says, Hey, we're glad you're here today. The rest of the week, they don't get that. And so that I think those things are, are revealed. I think what we're also seeing, and we'll just speak to our own faith tradition, is we're, we're seeing the precarious nature that the majority of churches and this broader denomination, our schools, our institutions, I think the precarious nature of our financial system, hmm. right? Um, like we're getting these stimulus checks and David Dark actually said this. He said, don't think the government is giving you anything. This is your money. 
money that you have given the government that now you are in need of and they should be giving it back to you. You know, you don't have to agree with that if you're listening to this, but that's what he said. And I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting because our church system runs completely on tithe, right? I mean, we've got tuition for schools, but we know that doesn't keep schools afloat. Um, the local money that comes in is, is at a significantly smaller rate than the tithe that comes in that goes to the global Seventh-day Adventist church. And so our, our system, which is, which is relatively top heavy, we can say it that way. I think uh, I've said the statistic wrong and somebody will probably correct me, but I think it's about in North America, 1.7 administrators to every pastor. Um, so there's more on the top than there is on the bottom. I think what that's going to reveal is that, Hey, maybe we don't need them. Cause like I haven't, nobody's going into the conference office and churches are still happening, right? <laughs> so I'm just saying, like maybe those buildings don't matter as much as we thought. Maybe those, yeah. maybe that structure doesn't matter quite as much as we thought. I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to indict the whole system. I, I just, it's an expensive, expensive system. When a local pastor costs double, triple, quadruple, or five times what they actually cost in order to get that minister, the pastor in a local church, yeah. Um, that first of all, that's never been sustainable. Second of all, in times of financial crisis, it absolutely will not be sustainable. And so hmm. obviously hard decisions are going to have to be made. My hope is that our church decides to use this crisis to streamline the work of the gospel. Because, you know, I've made this argument for a long time. People say, you know, bring the tithe to the storehouse, right? There, there's a second part to that verse because this, you know, we, we've talked about the storehouses being the global Seventh-day Adventist church. That's fine. Um, but there is a second part to that verse. The second part of that verse says, then I will open up the storehouse and rain down blessings. Mm-hmm. So if the money that we're sending up to the church doesn't make its way back down to bless the local church and the, not just the church, the people in the local church, then we've got to reevaluate what a storehouse is for. Yeah. Because a storehouse is not a bank. Right, a storehouse is not a savings account. The storehouse is essentially a checking account. I guess we could say that you can bless. And so, my understanding is that there are some administrators that are having those kind of stimulus conversations or whatever. Um, Which Hmm. praise God if they are. I think that's great. But I think that that's one thing it's revealing is that we, you know, when when the head is twice as big as the body, you know, the moment the body is malnourished, the head falls off. Yeah. That's a horrible metaphor, but <laughs> I don't know if that works. Uh, that definitely is definitely a disturbing mental picture, but yes. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Um, well, clearly you've thought a whole lot more about this because you live it every day and you are leading a congregation that writes a tithe check every month. Mm-hmm. And um, our language has always been, we return a tithe. Uh, to the Lord, but mm-hmm. let's be clear, it's actual humans who are managing the tithe we're returning. And I think the decisions that have been made over time have set up a a system that this COVID emergency is revealing to be uh, not sustainable. Right. So look, I'm, I'm of two minds. On one hand, I've always thought, or, or the thing that maybe it's revealing is that, yeah, we, we should not have a storehouse so full that you know why why have we accumulated so much um and so but what's interesting is that i don't know that we've accumulated so much money 
that we can just open up those doors and everything's going to be okay. What we've done is we've accumulated so much structure that yeah. it takes an overwhelming amount of, of increase to keep it going. And I want to be real clear, clear. I want to clarify one thing. We as a church write a check, right? To the global seventh day Adventist church, a local church, we write that check, but we're not writing that check. That's not our money. That is money that has come in from people believing that what they're, they're putting their money in a good place that will, that will mm. create more work of the gospel, which, you know, I think, I think it does. I don't want to say that it doesn't, yeah, but yeah. sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that was it. I mean, I think that's, you, you always put it more succinctly and, and better. You're way more articulate because this is not my language. So I want to repeat everybody, everybody. <laughs> um, but that's, that's it. It's a structure that's not sustainable. And the, and the structure has been sapping the organization of its ability to deliver it, its mission um, or to act on its mission. And um, I think this will clarify it. I, I think it'll it'll make us um, more locally minded, locally aware of the ministry that has to happen locally. You know, I think support for local pastors. I hope this is my hope. Will will I think will will awake to the fact that local pastors have had very little research. Local congregations, local people have had right. little resourcing to actually carry out the the mission of the church. And I'll we are a bit over time, but I'll make this so you know story time. About two years ago, I had the privilege. My son and I went on a on a mission trip to Cambodia with a great organization, Raw Impact mm. uh, Cambodia, uh, led by Troy Roberts and his family, yeah, who man. are doing their, I mean, just amazing, like tangible hands of Jesus in the world kind of work, right? Yeah. So we spent um, some time with them in Cambodia doing some of the relief work. And one of the perks was to go to... Um, um, Siem Reap, the town where one of the largest, um, you know, the complexes of the Khmer civilization is. Wow. Um, and so I'm wondering this this temple courts, you know, this these ruins and uh, Angkor Wat. I'm sure most people have heard of Angkor Wat. Is mm -hmm. one of the you know the whatever wonders of the world of the of the, um, the last two thousand years and and. You, there's always these arguments about how these civilizations collapsed. The Maya, how did that right. happen? The, the, the Khmer, how did that happen? And our tour guy, one of the tour guides we had, just dropped this little piece of info. It, it, it took him 30 seconds to say, and it exploded in my mind. <laughs> he said, well, their, their religious system grew to the point where they were devoting so much so many resources, time, attention, and focus. The entire focus turned into how to build, support, staff, feed an entire religious structure. There just wasn't enough food and other resources for anything else. Wow. It's almost like the they lost they lost themselves in just supporting a structure that eventually led to the collapse of their entire civilization. Wow. And I mean, I maybe because I love my tribe and I love my church and this is what I do, I couldn't help but to see the connection. Yeah. Did we lose ourselves in building $50 million structures in erecting these temples and us and in putting together a such a stratified structure that eventually will sap our 
our movement of its ability to, to, to be the people of Jesus so much so it'll collapse. Now, I don't think, look, this is not me saying, this what well, that is catastrophizing. <laughs> That's an SAT word, I know. And I messed it up because I don't speak this language. But I, it, it, the church of Jesus will always survive. The, right. the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We right. get that. But, but I don't, I don't want to be part of people who, who were, who oversaw that. Right. I mean, I want to be remembered or I, I want, I want my time, energy, blood, sweat, everything, my entire life's work to have been for the sake of the gospel, not for, for the sake of an organization. Right. And, you know, I think the beauty, the beauty of the organization is that it was built by ministers and why I say that's beautiful is that you could then deconstruct and put ministers back in churches, people who haven't been in churches in a long time and have, have you know, even gifted administrators can go back to a local church and begin to do that, like we said in the last podcast, to tell young pastors, right? The work of the gospel is a transference of, of here's what Jesus means to me. I, I, he can mean that same to you. Um, you know, when we talk about, you know, that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Well, mm -hmm. let's put more workers in the field, man. Let's, let's do that. I also think there's an economic reality to that because as people are ministered to and feel connected with their pastors and with their ministers, they, they also invest where they're blessed. And, um, I mean, it, it seems to me that the more, the fewer people that are in offices and the more people that are doing the work of ministry is a thing that will serve, that will, will save the structure of the church. With some yeah. tweaks, with, with some tweaks. But I mean, I, this is not new. COVID hasn't made me think this way. I've been thinking this way for a long time. Not to say that we don't need administrators. Obviously, we do. Um, the pace and rate at which we need administrators and the cost of those administrators, I think, is a question, right? It's always going to be a question in any yeah. organization, but in a church specifically. Because, man, every time somebody writes a check, whether it's local excuse yeah. me, whether it's local or whether it's to tithe. And that's how we delineate it within the Seventh-day Adventist denomination. Um, man, that's, that's, that's how their hard earned money yep. that they are, they are giving because they believe in the mission and the vision of what's going on. That's so sacred. You know, I hold yeah. that up with this, this, the time that people give me while I'm preaching those two things, they, they are giving me something and it is my job not to be asking for something all the time, but to be giving back to them. That's, mm -hmm. we, we shouldn't be living in an asking culture. We should be living in a giving culture. Yes. yes. I think that's what Christianity has to be. And I think that's what pastoral ministry has to be. It has to be a giving culture, not an asking culture. Yes. That's the, the economy of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, is a, is yes. Tim, we should do some takeaways. This has been a, this has been a great one. That was fun. <laughs> I mean, I, we could, we could go on for hours on that one. Can't we? Yeah. For sure. Uh, so we talked about revealing what's being revealed. And I think that's a good question for everybody to ask themselves. What am I revealing through this crisis? Am I revealing huh. leadership? Am I revealing inspiration? Am I re revealing compassion and hope? Or am I revealing fear and protectionism and all those types of things? Um, I think revealing is one. What, what's another takeaway? I don't know. It's one, one thing that I think um, we never got to, but I'll say it as a takeaway. <laughs> Uh, what is it revealing about my character, about my relationships mm -hmm. uh, with my family? Yeah. Um, um, Shell and I, my wife and I were talking the other day about 
how this is the longest we've been in the same place together uh, for a long time and yeah. um, what kind of things this is exposing about our relationship that we need to probably start working on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is revealing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Good stuff, man. Sam, thank you for uh, hanging out again and giving us some of your time. It's always, we're always so blessed. I appreciate that. Um, so this has been the daily <clears throat> daily presence, today's presence podcast um, <laughs> with Sam and Tim. Tim I don't even know what we call it. The title. <laughs> I told you, here's a promise I'll make to anyone who listens to this. Eventually, we'll get better. We're professionals. But it's a slow, I think that's a slow, like I think that's going to take a while. It's going to be bad for a while before it gets better. So, so thank you for your patience. Maybe we should say it that way. (laughs) Um, I'll leave you with this. Have courage and be courageous in this time. Thanks everybody.